episode number 124. Welcome to the Getting Unstuck podcast, where you'll laugh, empathize, and learn how to turn your stuck spots into sources for energy and positive change. And now your host, the creator of the Unstuck Method, Shira Gura. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you for joining me today. So did anyone notice the blip I made in last week's episode? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Okay, well, no one said anything to me yet. And I realize it's not earth shattering, but I named last week's episode and I introduced it as episode number 124, when it was supposed to be episode number 123. I just realized that. But I'm not getting stuck on perfectionism, and I'm not going to edit the intro to last week's episode. I did update the number on the title of the episode so that we are now at least going to be back in order. Okay, so before I share with you this week's story, I just want to say thank you to all of you who expressed interest in being a part of my book writing process, which I spoke about in last week's episode. I was so humbled by the outpouring of interest to be a part of this journey with me. We are going to begin this coming Sunday and it's going to last for eight sessions. So if you are still interested and you haven't let me know yet, definitely do so ASAP. Okay, so if you've been listening to this podcast, you will know that I'm sharing a series of stories with you that took place over the summer while I was in the United States. Today's story has to do with a friend of mine named Elitom El-Amin, who gave me permission to use his name on this episode. Elitom is American, but from what I understand, doesn't really have a home base at this point in his life. He is more of like a nomad, and he travels from country to country teaching his teachings. He came to Israel earlier this year, and my friend who was attending his retreat, invited me to join her. At that point, I had never heard of him, and I had no idea what kind of retreat I would be attending, and I spoke a little bit about his retreats in episodes 88 and 89, if you want to tune back into those episodes. And so anyway, I've kept in touch with Eliton. He is someone whom I admire, and quite frankly, I just enjoy being around. He is full of joy, he is full of life, and he's really fun to be around. He laughs a lot, and he doesn't take life too seriously, and he's like a breath of fresh air. And so when I was in the States this summer, I noticed on Facebook that he was planning to do this really wild, hundreds of miles bike journey. He was posting his routes, which like blew me away. One was like Pittsburgh to Washington, D.C., and another was New York to New Jersey, and then on to Ohio, or something crazy like that. And I was in awe of him as I followed his journey, as he posts a lot of videos on Facebook. And I was in awe because there was a lot of rain in the Northeast this summer. And it just amazed me because I I mean, it's like hundreds and hundreds of miles that he was biking, and he was biking alone, and sometimes in torrential rain, and it just amazed me. Anyway, so I saw that he was coming through New Jersey, 
which is where my parents live and where I was staying. And so I sent him a message saying if he needs a place to stay, that he is welcome to stay with me at my parents' house because my parents graciously told me that I could invite any friend to stay at their house while I was visiting. And so I wrote to him, and he wrote back pretty quickly with a yes, and here are my estimated dates that I'll be there. And so I put the dates on the calendar and anticipated his visit. And so the day before he visited, he touched base saying he would probably come in around noon. And I was like, okay, great. And then the next morning he wrote that there was another anticipated storm heading for the East Coast and that he may be delayed. And I said, great. He said, I'll probably be there around two, but if I don't get there by 6 p.m., don't worry, I'll figure something out. And I didn't like that message because like, what did that mean? I'll figure something out, right? First of all, I don't go to sleep at six o'clock in the evening. He could come at seven or eight or nine or 10 or even 11, right? He'll need a place to sleep after all that biking. And I wrote back to him saying just that, come whenever you want. I will leave my phone on. I want to be sure that you are safe and have a place to sleep. And he replied with a smiley face emoji. And so I expected him to show up at some point that evening, but five o'clock came and passed, as did six and seven and eight and nine and 10. And at 10 o'clock, I really started to get nervous because the weather was really, really scary. I mean, there was so much wind that trees were falling down everywhere and it was pouring and lightning and thundering and it was really, really scary. And I personally was grateful to be inside of a house, but I was also really worried and scared for Eliton because I knew that he wasn't in a home and I knew he was on a bike somewhere, on a trail or down some street, and he was definitely not in a safe and sound kind of place. All Elitom had was his backpack, some clothing, a bike that he had purchased from a thrift store when he came to the United States, and his cell phone. And that was it. And in case you missed episodes 88 and 89, I guess I have to mention something else about Elitom. Elitom practices something called breatharianism. He considers himself a breatharian. This is a practice of eating little or nothing at all. And people who practice this actually get their energy from prana, which is considered life energy, which you get from meditation. And so Eli Tom, for instance, hasn't eaten or drinken, do you say drinken, drinken, drunken? <laughs> he hasn't had a drink in something like almost an entire year. Okay, he doesn't drink and he doesn't eat. This is what he professes and this is what I know of him. And I know this may sound really quirky and some of you may be like, Shira, do you really believe that? And the answer is yes, I do, but that's not the point of this podcast. The point is he was somewhere on a bike trail or somewhere between New York and New Jersey, stranded without food and water, which was fine because he doesn't consume that anyway. 
And so I was a little less concerned about the food and water thing and more about the falling branches and the lightning and the fact that he didn't send a message to update me, which he had been doing up until that point. It was really, really scary. And granted, this wasn't my child and this wasn't my husband, but it was a friend and I was genuinely concerned. In fact, honestly, I actually had thoughts going through my mind that Ellie Tom died in the middle of wherever he was. I mean, honestly, I was thinking that because what kind of person can survive this storm, right? Just because he doesn't eat or drink doesn't make him invincible. And I was really scared and just staring at my cell phone, hoping it would ding a message from him. And I didn't know what to do. I couldn't fall asleep. I wouldn't let myself fall asleep. That would be irresponsible of me, right? And I felt really stuck. By that point, it was like 11 o'clock. The storm was unrelenting and I couldn't fall asleep. My mind was so preoccupied with worry and concern. And I also kept thinking, maybe he'll show up the minute you go to sleep, Shira. So you might as well just wait up one more minute, right? But those minutes turned into half hours. And before I knew it, it was after midnight. And I was exhausted. And I had to drive my son to camp the next day. And I caught myself being stuck. Being stuck was keeping me from a good night's sleep. And when I recognized that, I realized I really needed to take myself through the unstuck method. S. I took a stop. I took a few long, deep breaths. And I really allowed myself to step out of my story. T. I noticed I was stuck on worry. And I recognized where I was feeling worry in my body and I allowed myself to feel it. You uncover, I believed I had to wait up. I believe Ellie Tom's phone died and that he was in need of help. I believed Ellie Tom was stuck and is worried himself. I believed I needed to do something. I even contemplated calling the police, but I wasn't even sure what to say, right? Like, I have a friend on a bike and he's missing somewhere between New York and New Jersey. <laughs> like, no, you can't do that. And so I checked into all of those beliefs and I recognized that none of them were true. I did not have to wait up. I didn't. Ellie Tom had told me if he doesn't arrive by six, not to worry. I didn't know if he needed my help. Maybe he got help. Maybe he was staying somewhere else that night. Maybe he couldn't contact me. Maybe he's not stuck. And maybe he has not a worry in the world. And maybe I don't have to do anything. When I realized none of those beliefs were true, I considered that worrying isn't helping the situation at all. You know, it's really funny. When we worry, we actually unconsciously believe that by worrying, it's actually helping the situation. But there's no proof that worrying does anything beneficial at all to a situation. In fact, if anything, 
worrying can be detrimental to your health. In fact, just last night I watched a TED Talk on the power that emotions have on the health of your heart and how emotions can be a much bigger determinant of the health of your heart than food and exercise. And you know what? I totally believe it. Anyway, I also considered that he didn't need food or water. He was self-sufficient. And I considered there was really nothing for me to do. And I also considered Ellie Tome wouldn't want me sitting up worrying. I know him. He wouldn't want that. And so I considered going to sleep. And when I woke up in the morning and still hadn't heard from him, I, Kay, held myself in self-kindness for getting stuck in the first place. I told myself it was okay that I got stuck on worry. It happens. So I took my son to camp, which took almost an hour instead of 20 minutes because of all the streetlights that were out and the police officers directing traffic and the accidents. It was so crazy to see the effects of that storm. And I still hadn't heard from Ellie Tome. And then I came home and still there was no message from him. And noon came and there was no message. And then camp was over and I had to pick up my son and I came home and still there was no message. This was like 24 hours later, but I didn't get stuck again. I kept considering that worrying wasn't going to help anything. Finally, at around 5.15, I get a message. I'm actually going to read it from my phone. So the day before, right, I wrote something like, I'm thinking about you. There's a terrible storm where we are. Trees are down. Electricity is out. How are you? And from that message until 5.15, the very next day, I didn't hear from him. And then he writes, I'm five miles from Trenton, which by the way, is like an hour from my parents' house. I slept in the storm in a tent. It was good sleeping. Three hour bike ride. I'll be there soon. (laughs) And I wrote back, you're alive. I was worried. And then he wrote back, After the storm, I'm full of energy. And then he went on to tell me that he's self-sufficient and he doesn't require much to entertain him because I was asking him what he wants or what he needs when he arrives. And when he showed up and I told him how worried I was, he just looked at me and laughed. He told me he thinks the best night's sleep he's ever had in his life was last night in that storm. He said he slept like a baby. Can you imagine that? And now that I'm thinking about this, it's funny how my mind went to that place of needing to tell him that I was worried, right? Like, as if he needed to know that. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, he didn't need to know that. Like, how would me telling him that I was worried about him help in that moment? He's not responsible for my worrying. I'm responsible for that, or I was responsible. It was almost like I was placing the blame on him that I was worried. But you know what? It wasn't his fault. My worrying was my fault. That was my choice. The power of what I do with my mind is always mine, not someone else's. And it just goes to show how wrong you can be right? 
I mean, I thought he was scared and alone and petrified, and here he is saying he had the best night's sleep ever in his life. And I was worried for nothing. But I got myself unstuck, and that's really the best part of the story, right? I didn't stay stuck. So, my dear friends, where in your life may you find yourself stuck on worry? Where may you be worrying unnecessarily? Like being stuck on worry is just not serving you, and it's not affecting the situation for the better in any way. In fact, it may only be hurting you. Do you have a place like that in your life? Can you consider that worrying is not helping? Can you consider that it's not your responsibility to worry? Or that others don't want you to worry? Or that worrying is hurting you more than it's helping the situation? Where in your life can you see that? It's not easy to let go of worry, but when you begin to practice that, you may be able to experience some of the freedom that I experienced that night when I let go of worrying, which is magical. Okay, my dear friends, I have a special episode coming up for you next week. I will be sharing my first ever episode that includes a story with my mom. I got stuck on something with her this summer, and of course I got unstuck from it, and together we were able to move past it. And I'm really grateful that my mom gave me permission to share that story on this podcast, as I am confident that there may be a few other mother-daughter stuck stories out there in the world that you, my listeners, can learn and grow from. So be sure you listen in. It's a really important message, and I look forward to sharing that with you next week. Oh, and next week, I will announce the winner of the free deck of consideration cards for this month. If you've yet to leave an iTunes review for me, now's the time. If you leave a review, you will be automatically entered into the drawing, and I will announce the winner next week. And if you are not sure as to how to do that, I created instructions on my website. You can go to shiragura.com forward slash iTunes, and the whole process should really only take you a couple of minutes. I thank you so much for doing that. Okay, my dear friends, that wraps up this episode. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week, and as always, I look forward to getting unstuck with you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Getting Unstuck podcast. For more information on programs, workshops, and retreats, check out our website, www.shiragura.com.